hey, some people wanted an audio version of Fed Up so you could listen to it while jogging, cooking, or uninstalling Twitter on your phone for the third time that day. Anyway, here it is. An audio version will be available every week going forward, but I'm going back to record the first few with some updates. Okay, I hope you all enjoy. Today we're talking about why there isn't a labor shortage. The pandemic has meant structural changes in the labor market, but shortage does not sum up all the complicated reasons why jobs are going unfilled. This was originally written on November 15th, and I'll be providing some updates at the end. In March 2020, millions of jobs disappeared practically overnight. A year and a half later, we are still 4.2 million jobs below February 2020. Depending on who you ask, there's either a dearth of job applicants or a dearth of employers actually hiring. There are about 1.4 jobs for every one person looking for work right now, but article after article has been written about how hard it is to find a job. Clearly something is wrong, but it's way more complicated than a labor shortage because people don't want to work. What is the unemployment rate? The unemployment rate in America, currently 4.2%, only counts someone as unemployed if they are actively looking for work. Because of that, the unemployment rate might not be the most useful indicator of slack in the labor market. The labor force participation rate measures how many people out of the total population are either employed or actively looking for work. It is currently 61%. In February 2020, it was 63%, meaning there are a lot of people who were working or looking for work in 2020 that aren't now. The last number that provides a good insight into the labor market is the quit rate. 4.4 million people quit their jobs in September, an all-time high since the government began measuring the quit rate in 2000. If people are willing to quit their jobs, it usually means they have confidence that they will find another one. Of course, in addition to confidence, the high quit rate now reflects burnout. As a McDonald's employee whose entire store walked out said, why would you want to work for a company that doesn't value you? You've been here for five years. What have you got for it? Nothing. Taken together, the millions of people not looking for work and the millions of people quitting clearly show something is wrong with jobs in the U.S. A better term for what is actually happening in the labor market is not a shortage, but a mismatch of what job seekers want and what employers are offering. When I go shopping for an Audi and I can't afford it, I don't get to declare an Audi shortage, said Erica Groshen, a labor economist with Cornell University. At the wages being offered, businesses aren't getting as many applicants for work. In a lot of ways, the issues in the current labor market can be traced to the anti-union, pro-business deregulation policies of the 1980s, or to the last recession in 2008, where employers raised the criteria for job applicants, wages stagnated, and the explosion of gig work meant low pay and lack of benefits and protection stopped being exploitation and started being innovation. Minimum wage should be $24 an hour adjusted for inflation and productivity. Instead, it is $7.25. Even the $15 an hour minimum wage in many cities only adds up to about $31,000 a year. As many low-wage jobs became more and more dangerous in the last two years, wages actually fell 0.5% adjusted for inflation. Clearly, wages are too low. But in response to the market, some industries like leisure and hospitality have finally raised wages significantly, but still complain they can't find workers. One reason is that though employers are raising wages, they are not changing other aspects of the jobs that they offer. Workers seeing leverage for the first time in years want not just higher wages, but also sensible working hours, benefits, and consistency in their paychecks. In many service jobs, even before the pandemic, customers making employees cry was a common occurrence. Source, personal experience. So, in addition to the threat of catching a deadly disease, it's easy to see why a few more dollars an hour is not enough to bring back workers without other changes. Many job seekers have made it clear what they want. Benefits, a living wage, and flexible hours. Instead of adapting to a new labor market, employers are refusing to change and complaining they can't hire anyone. Or, 
Some are not hiring new employees, overworking their current employees, and asking customers to accept long wait times and reduced service. This leads to more employees quitting and more job openings. But have you talked to anyone looking for a job recently? Many are sending out hundreds of applications and barely getting any interviews, let alone offers. Or maybe you saw the viral story of a man in Florida who applied to 60 entry-level jobs he was qualified for from companies complaining about a labor shortage and then only got one interview and an offer for a position with lower pay and lower hours than advertised. Some of this goes back to the mismatch in the types of jobs people want and the jobs currently hiring. But the hiring system is broken in many other ways, including many employers are still only looking for applicants with years of experience in their industry, despite some of the largest numbers ever of workers switching careers. The unemployment rate is still more than double for job seekers who haven't finished college, despite employers saying they have dropped the degree requirements. Automated hiring systems that many companies use are automatically rejecting the 2.3 million long-term unemployed who have been out of work for longer than six months, which just seems unrealistic given that we are almost two years into a pandemic. While the overall unemployment rate has come down, the Black unemployment rate has remained at 7.9%. Older workers have experienced hiring discrimination consistently throughout the pandemic, causing many to retire early and further shrinking the labor market. If there really is such a dire labor shortage, why is it so easy to stop people from getting hired? There are plenty of workers who want jobs, but no changes in the paradigm from the last decade where employers had outsized power and unrealistic expectations. But where did the term labor shortage come from? If there are structural issues in job qualifications, hiring processes, expectations of employees, and real wages, why does the myth of a labor shortage persist? Lobbying! Duh. This is America. Business lobby, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, started issuing statements that people were actively not working because of government benefits and causing a labor shortage in order to stop the expanded unemployment insurance. This has been disproven over and over again, including the labor force actually shrinking in September when benefits ended. This false assertion was echoed by other conservative groups and states who used it to justify cutting off extended unemployment early. The myth of people not wanting to work and causing a labor shortage persists, despite everything we wrote above. The disconnect from what companies are saying and how they are acting can be demonstrated in a recent article about how short-staffed companies like Starbucks are. It featured this statement from Starbucks. Starbucks says some of its locations are responding to the staffing shortages by reducing hours to ensure that employees aren't overworked. The company says that it will continue to make necessary investments to remain an attractive employer moving forward. At the same time, Starbucks corporate, the same one working to stay an attractive employer, is waging an all-out union-busting campaign against four stores in Buffalo, New York. Clearly, we need systemic changes to confront the challenges of the current labor market. So the original draft of this week's newsletter was 10 pages long. There are so many other structural problems, including 2 million women who dropped out of the labor force largely to care for children or other relatives, our low immigration rate that is contributing to jobs at all skill levels going unfilled, the lack of universal health care that keeps people from accepting jobs they otherwise would, the continued high levels of consumption that is compounding labor problems, America's terrible treatment of service workers, etc., Goldman Sachs still predicts the unemployment rate will be back down to 3.5% by the end of 2022, and, due to continued retirements, the pool of people working will probably stay smaller than it was in February 2020. If competition for workers stays high, then we need real changes to the value of labor, the way companies hire, the way companies treat their employees, and to guarantee things like healthcare and childcare to give people more options in the jobs they can take. Okay, here are a few updates. In November, 1.1 million people entered the labor force, and December brought the lowest level of people filing for unemployment benefits in 50 years. This is a reflection of people coming off the sidelines, moving jobs, and quitting not being laid off, and hopefully a sign of continued worker power. But Omicron has put some of the momentum in doubt, 
as demand eases and some restaurants and stores are forced to close. The Washington Post recently ran a series of articles on people who had quit service jobs and found while many are happier, they aren't necessarily doing better financially. Slight improvements in workers' leverage, well welcome, will not fix all the structural issues mentioned in the original newsletter. I did mention Starbucks' all-out campaign against unionizing in Buffalo. That store actually did win their vote to unionize. And though it's only one store, it represents a huge symbolic victory for the workers.